Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are fresh off, two weeks off in the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series. We'll catch up with David on what he's been up to at his time off and look ahead to this weekend's race at Watkins Glen. Plus, we'll have a look at your news and notes and ask David coming up at the end of today's show. Let's Go Racing is presented by Whataburger. Don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot, and prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. David Starr joins us right now. David, how are we feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I uh, It's good to be back home and... Uh... I've been, I've been, man, I've been on the go here the last 10, 12 days, uh, but uh, it's great to be back home, and uh, man, it's great. good to see you guys, man. We missed you, David. We had a week off last week, but we're back in the saddle again. Dominic Oregon from the RacingExperts.com is here as well. Dom, what's going on? What's going on? Just enjoying life here in the City of Vision, Grants, New Mexico. Nice to be back home. So, awesome to be doing the show again with you guys, 33 episodes in. Time's just flying. It's like moving in warp speed. It's been a lot of fun, no question about it. David, you had some time at the beach the last few days. That tan's looking good, my friend. How are we doing off the uh, beach visit with the family? Man, it was awesome, man. Got to, you know, I uh, really don't have much time to take vacations, but my uh, my dad, the star side of our family, my dad's side of the family, man, we get together, you know, try to get together once a year and do a beach house somewhere. It's usually in Galveston, uh, just south of Houston, Galveston, Texas, and this time we went to Gulf Shores, Alabama. It's on the state line of Florida and Alabama. And man, we had an awesome beach house. And I, I believe there was about 50 of us there. Uh, not all my family, but a lot of them. And man, we had a great time. We were there for six days. And man, <laughs> we, we swam in the ocean for every day, played on the beach. We fished, we, uh, we snorkeled. I mean, we rode go-karts. We rode a banana boat. <laughs> we, man, that was awesome. We parasailed, and, and, man, we caught a lot of fish. And, man, what it was just – it was fun to catch up with your family, your cousins, your uncles, your aunts, and people like that you don't get to see every day. And, uh, man, it was just uh, – man, it was a lot of fun, that's for sure. How important, David, is this time off for the drivers to have this summer break now that you won't have another break between now and the end of the year – I'm seeing one thing where Matt DiBenedetto's getting baptized by Michael McDowell and, you know, uh, Kurt Busch is overseas and such. Tell me about just this time off for everybody. What does it do for the, the mental health aspect uh, going down this final stretch? Man, I, you, know, uh, you know, we're all racers. I, uh, man, if, you know, I, if I could race every day, I would. That's for sure, you know, but uh, – you know, I think a lot of times a step step away from from uh, from the competition side, uh, step away from it, spend a little time with your with your family, your kids, your wife, you know, or family vacation with the family, you know, uh, gives you time to reflect on other things. I don't know. I just I don't think it's a bad thing. You know what I mean? I uh, I can't really remember uh, having two weeks off in former years. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's bad for any of us, you know what I mean? And I think it's time to kind of relax, catch up on some personal things, family time. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, when they, when they drop the green flag coming up this week at, at Watkins Glen, I think everybody will, you know, they'll kind of be uh, rejuvenated per se, uh, you know, and ready to go, uh, to go uh, try to get a championship, win races, and do the best you can, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's uh, great for everybody, you know, I, and the teams. You know, we didn't even talk about the race teams and uh, the crew chiefs and, the man, the the, the, uh, the team, your your fabricators and your, and your mechanics and everybody that makes our racing teams what they are. You know, these guys, man, they, they put a lot of heart and desire and passion working on these race cars week in and week out every day and the sacrifices that they make with their own kids and their own families. And, uh, man, it's, they don't get much time, time off. You know, I think the drivers and maybe the team owners 
And, uh, you know, I think we have a little bit more time with our families, I, I believe. But I think it's really good for our teams and, and the crew members to just get to have some time with their families. You know, I think it's only fair. And I think it's good for the morale of the team. And I think everybody will be kind of refreshed and ready to get back after it and finish up, finish up the, the season strong, you know. So uh, not only as the drivers, it's for the teams and uh, just everybody involved, even you media guys, you know. When you're, uh, you know, when you're on the road week in and week out, covering the sport, doing what you guys do, I mean, having a week off, two weeks off, I mean, it's it's not a, it's not a bad thing, you know. What's y'all's perspective on it? Yeah, it's needed. Uh, certainly no complaints about it. I know NBC in particular were the ones that wanted the off time so they could get these Olympic games in and, and uh, have those broadcasts covered and such. But I've certainly enjoyed it. Looking forward to seeing some racing action again here at Watkins Glen. And, Dominic, now we enter the home stretch of the NASCAR season. It's been a crazy fun year so far at this point. And now you got four races, the run to the playoffs – before the 10 race playoffs begin and looking at the playoff picture too, five points just separating 16th and 17th on the cup side here. Things are about to be crazy over these in the next few weeks. And these four races too, I mean, you're talking about uh, Watkins Glen, the Indianapolis road course, Michigan, and then Daytona. I mean, all hell's about to break loose. It feels like over these next few weeks. You're not wrong. And Tyler, you being a sports guy and, and kind of, delving into every little sport that you cover. I mean, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the hype we have now on this little four-week stretch, these two road courses, an intermediate track and a super speedway, the hype that has been surrounded over a two-week break kind of gives me that feel like when you get that off week between NFC and AFC championships and the Super Bowl. That's all everybody's talking about. Who's going to win the big game? What's going to happen in the Super Bowl? That's what I feel like I've seen on NASCAR Twitter. That's what I feel like when I've talked to NASCAR fans or other people in the industry. Who's going to make the playoffs? What's going to happen over these next four races? This hype has been built up in these next four races. I think more people are going to tune in. At least I think so. Because there's been more hype and there's been more anticipation that is surrounding it. Well, to me, David, what's interesting about these next four races is that, I mean, when you talk about a super speedway, two road courses and an intermediate track, there is chances for guys that there wouldn't be otherwise. We saw Eric Almirola win uh, on an oval before the break, and now you get to these courses that uh, are an equalizer of sorts here. I mean, this, is, this could be wild here, what we're about to see. There's some opportunities for guys these next couple of weeks that there wouldn't normally be. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Especially Daytona. That's kind of a the crowd, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know, anything can happen there. An underdog could win that race. And, uh, you know, speaking of the road courses, uh, you know, these road course aces, I mean, you look at Chase Elliott and, you know, and then I think of Denny Hamlin, you know, uh, you know, you look at uh, Kevin Harvick. Some of these guys are in dire straits of a win, you know what I mean? And uh, so, I mean, it's just, a, it's, you know, like Dominic was saying, there's a lot of hype around these next four races. I wanted to ask you guys, because I don't have the point standing right in front of me, but, uh, you know, the top 16, 16 guys will make the playoffs. You know, can you can you tell us who's, who's 14, who's 15, who's 16, who's 17? I mean, who's on the outside looking in right now? Dominic, go ahead. I believe you have it pulled up, right? Yeah, I mean, I got the full list right here. Yeah, I mean, Denny Hamlin, I think, there's a guy you really got to, like, really consider here because here's a guy, you look at the points over the last six, seven, eight races, and it looks like Kyle Larson's just right there on the cusp of taking the points lead. Denny Hamlin held it for as long as he has. Now, the thing with Denny, he has yet to win a race. And at one point, he led the most laps during the season, nine top five finishes to open the year. He makes the playoffs by being the regular season champion. NASCAR has it in the rule book that regardless if you have won a race or not, if you are the regular season champion, you're going to be in the postseason regardless. Now, if Hamlin were to be second or third or fourth in points, I mean, we still have that possibility, guys, where we could have 17 winners. And somebody who actually did pick up a win in the regular season is snubbed from the postseason. Right now, that would be Eric Almirola if a few guys ahead of him did win a race. But, I mean, looking at the point situation right here, right, you brought up Tyler – about five points separating 16th and 17th, that's Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon. 
RCR teammates. I mean, imagine what those competition meetings must be like on Monday morning, <laughs> and especially what it's going to be like. After they're not the teammates season. anymore. Yeah, they're not going to be teammates anymore. Exactly, right? I mean, you're, your teammates to a point, as they like to say in NASCAR. But you're right, guys like Kevin Harvick, a guy – David, we've talked about this dude so much. Nine races won last year. Barely missed the cut for the championship four. And you're telling me this guy might not even make the postseason the next year. I, that just That's hard to fathom because you look at the variety of races. You look at the road courses. What about like a Chris Buescher, a Chase Briscoe? What if one of those two guys pulls off a victory in the next couple of weeks? And then you have the wild card at Daytona where virtually anybody can win. You throw all 40 car numbers in a bingo basket and you pick out a number, that's going to be your winner. Anybody can win a Daytona. There's just so much hype, and it's going to be really exciting, not only as a fan, but I think as somebody covering the sport. There's just so many things to look at, so many cool storylines. And as a fan, it's great excitement that's being anticipated over these next four races. Man, I think you guys are right. You know, I I have a lot of friends and family, and, you know, and, and uh, it's interesting. One of my family members on our vacation was asking me, hey, who do you think is going to make the chase? Who's going to be out, you know? And I'm like, you know, this, this, you know, one of my cousins, you know, he's, he's into football, baseball, you know, not NASCAR. And it was kind of interesting that he's keeping up with it. You know, I think our sport is really delivered some excitement, you know, and, and uh, having these playoffs and, you know, all the guys that are winning, the ones that aren't, you know, it's uh, it's drama every week. And uh, I'm glad to know that, you know, all these big stories that we that we see week in and week out, you know, it's it's drawing non-racers' attention, you know what I mean? So our sport, um, you know, it's cool to know it's growing and other people that aren't traditional race fans are keeping up with it. So that's kind of cool, you know. But, you know, it's kind of funny to hear Tyler say, you know, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, they're not teammates anymore and they're on the same team, you know, because uh, – Man, wow, What there's some pressure going on at RCR, and, and uh, you know, how's that going to turn out? So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, and, and that's what's kind of cool about our sport, you know. And, uh, man, who whoever, you know, when NASCAR came up with this new playoff plan, uh, man, they hit it right on the, on the nail, didn't it? Because it's been exciting every year, that's for sure. Oh, it's been incredible. They've done a great job putting together this system. I mean, there was a lot of hiccups along the way. But I think we've gotten to a point with this playoff system where we all feel satisfied, where it's worthy of the moment. Is it perfect? No, but it's as good as it's been, I think, since they installed the Chase back in 2004. Now, with all this being said, guys, I'm looking at, you know, where the playoff standings are at. And, Dominic, you mentioned guys like Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick have yet to win in 2021 – I look back. Let's let's go back in the in the hot tub time machine a little bit to 2011. Tony Stewart did not win a race the entire regular season. Rattles off five wins in the playoff and ultimately won the championship. I mean, Chase Elliott last year was not great in the regular season and rallied off wins in three of the last four races to win the championship. Guys, I would say, despite Hendrick's dominance and the way things are pointing to, I'll start with you, David, on this. I feel like that. Between having these two weeks off, kind of reset things and such, and going into the playoffs, that we could still have a champion that hasn't even won a race at this point. I think there's still enough time to figure things out to get rolling to have a great playoff run here. Man, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you, but I, 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 I agree with you. But, man, I'm just – I'm thinking about what you just said, and uh, – I, I, I mean, when you come to who's the favorite win of the 2021 Cup Series champion, and it's hard not to think about what Kyle Larson has done, you know. And yeah. you look at Kyle Busch, what he's done, and, and uh, those Hendrick cars have been strong. But, but you know, it's uh, – you know, I think it's all about being there, being the last four, and then really competing well at the last race, you know. And uh, I've always – it's kind of interesting that – our champion that we crowned at Phoenix last year was the race winner, you know, and um, the competition is so stiff, you know, but uh, I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta talk about Kyle Larson's a favorite, you know, but man, anything's possible because these teams, all these guys in the top 16, the guys in the playoffs, 
I mean, anything is possible. Anybody can win any given race. So uh, that's what's exciting about it. You know, just sometimes you think, well, they, this guy's going to win this race or, you know, he's going to be strong. And next thing you know, you're like, wow, never even thought about Eric Amarillo winning New Hampshire. You know what I mean? So you just, you know, you never know. You know, you just never know who's going to hit it, be on their game at the right time, you know, and, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick has surprised us. You know, I'm surprised by Stuart Haas, you know, them not being as dominant in 2021 because they were so dominant over the last couple of years. Uh, but but we did see Eric Amarillo kind of dominate that race in New Hampshire. Uh, who's to say that, you know, they're, they're peaking at the right point of the season, you know what I mean? And Kevin Harvick drives for Stuart Haas. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, but, uh, but man, I'm just as excited as you guys to see how it all plays out, you know, and it's cool that the race fans are loving it and, and we're drawing in new fans because it's so exciting. So it's kind of cool. What say you, Dominic? Can somebody that hasn't won flip that switch and go on a run through these playoffs? Do you think it's possible? Well, when you mentioned like the Tony Stewart run of 2011, he squeaked in the postseason that season five races rattled off won the tiebreaker against Carl Edwards Chase Elliott last year it can be done you're right never say never in sports I think that's what makes sports such a great story to tell and a great story to watch unfold because it's not scripted you never know what can happen but I I kind of see where David's coming from here too guys because it's so hard to say that Kyle Larson may not be the the champion I, I just don't know I mean right now right they're peaking at the right time Hendrick Motorsports has won so many races. They look like they're the dominant team. Joe Gibbs Racing is right there. Yeah, we certainly could have some surprises. But Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, I feel like would be the guys to go on a run like that if something like that were to happen. There's Joe Gibbs Racing power. Kyle Busch has won races. Martin Truex Jr. has won races. Let's be honest, Hamlin should have won a couple races by this point. But we could easily play the would have, could have, should have game. Kevin Harvick, do you rely on past success? Are you able to rely on some of your teammates in the playoffs? Remains to be seen, but makes you wonder. Those two guys would probably be the most probable to pull something off like that. Tyler Reddick is another guy that I, I keep looking at, and somebody who just keeps silently rattling off these sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth place finishes, piecing together a very consistent year. May not even make the playoffs, but makes me wonder if he can squeak in the playoffs. Could we see Tyler Reddick go on a phenomenal run in his second year? That's the great beauty about sports. You never know what can happen. Well, Go ahead, David. Yeah, it wasn't um, – and, man, I'm asking the question. Man, I, if I remember right, you know, um, the, the Eric Amarillo was really struggling. Their team was struggling, and, they, man, they were – you know, uh, unfortunate things were happening to them. There were a lot of wrecks, had some mechanical problems. I mean, it was, it was looking really, really slim for that 10 car to make the – to make the chase this year, you know, and uh, it wasn't that long ago. It's like, man, I, I almost felt bad for them, you know what I mean? Because they just couldn't, they couldn't put it all together. And, man, it seemed like the last four or five races, I mean, they have come on strong, you know. So, and uh, so, I mean, anything's possible, you know what I mean? I think they're hitting their stride and things are starting to come together. You look at, and, man, hey, let's talk about Matt Benedetto. You know, he's he's trying – you know, he's – you know, he's got a lot to – you know, we know how talented he is as a race car driver. But, man, he's racing for a job. He's racing for the future. And, uh, you know, you can't, count, you can't count out that 21 car. I mean, since they had a crew chief change, I don't know, four or five races ago – Man, he's been in the top ten. He's he's been up near the front too. So, I mean, it's just uh, you know who knows. You know, it's it's exciting and uh, anything's possible. And all the stories that we're all talking about is kind of cool. You know, so uh, so I love it, man. I, lo I love what we do. I love our sport, and this is really cool how it's all playing out. That's all right. Minute. You're right. We didn't mention Matthew Benedetto, Tyler. That's somebody who has yet to win a Cup race. That's another name I could see. Matt has had those strong runs at the intermediate tracks, finished runner-up at both Vegas races last year. I feel like if Matt can get that first career win, win 100 for the Wood Brothers right before the playoffs start, that's going to be a team to really watch out for. Okay, Dominic, since you got the numbers in front of you here, <laughs> um, tell us who you think 
are going to be those final playoff drivers? How do you see this playing out? How do I? Oh, you're putting all the pressure on me here. Okay, so you put me on the spot. I feel like we can still see a couple of surprise winners. I wouldn't put it past somebody like a Tyler Reddick or a Chase Briscoe to potentially rattle off a surprise win at Indianapolis. In the Grand but, but, but do you think that's going to happen, though? If I made you put money on it, who gets those final spots? Okay, if you made me put money, I would say Tyler Reddick has to be one of these guys. He will get that first career win, and I think he does get that before the, the start of the postseason, and I feel like Matt Benedetto would be another likely candidate for that. I would not be surprised if you go and see the 21 car, write that Cinderella story, and capture his first win at Daytona and the 100th win for Wood Brothers. I feel like those would be the guys. Reddick at one of the road courses, Benedetto at the Super Speedway. What do you think, Dave? Well, I I, uh, I think Tyler was saying who, who you think is going to be the last four standing. I think that's what you asked, Tyler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, it's hard to, you know, just listening to y'all talk. I am, uh, you know, it's hard to to not say Kyle Larson. You know, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and we. Well, Kyle's already in, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, but you're. I'm just talking about the last four. I'm talking about you talking about coming down the last race of the championship, or are you talking? No, about no, no. Last four to make the playoff of those oh, remaining four spots. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, man, I. Uh, I really think uh, – We're actually three spots, 14th, 15th, and 16th are open. Yeah, I think Kevin Harvick's going to be one of the guys. And I, I'm kind of, I agree with Dominic. I think it's going to be Tyler Reddick because he's been consistently strong uh, all year long, and I've been impressed uh, with him. I watch him a lot. Uh, he's, he's done – they've done a, a tremendous job, consistent, always in the top ten. And then, you know, and then listening to Matt speak about Matt Benedetto, I think he's one that's going to surprise us, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, so I would I would say those three right there. And then, um, you know, I, uh, I don't have the points laid out in front of me, so I don't know who's really, you know, from 16th back right now, but uh, – but, you know, uh, it's possible to, to see a really underdog, you know, maybe take a win at Daytona. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Just those threes right now that come to mind, to be honest with you. Guys, uh, I'm looking at this playoff picture, and uh, I don't think the final three spots change. I think it's going to be uh, Hamlin, Harvick, and Reddick as those final three in. I don't see that changing. I think Austin Dillon, Busher, DiBenedetto, those guys are uh, left out. I think that there'll be some drama. It'll be exciting these next few races, but I don't see the top 16 changing. Wow. Hey, we're going to see we're going to see a move, a Ryan Newman move. Remember when Ryan, I forget, it was Phoenix or somewhere, the last mm -hmm. race before the playoffs. Man, I think I don't remember who it was, but, man, he ran into turn three. It was turn three before they switched. Well, I don't yeah, remember. It mm -hmm. Okay. And, man, he he used eight wheels. And, uh, <laughs> and man, he came out. He barely made it. So, uh, I think, like you said, Tyler, we're going to see some drama. You know what I mean? It's uh, – it's going to be fun and interesting, that's for sure. You know? Well, I got I got to say real quick too. That was cool at that race. That was before the Homestead race for the championship run in 2014. He had to move one more position up to knock Jeff Gordon out of transferring. And I was standing on pit road as the laps were winding down. We're all watching. Okay, who's going to make it? And I was standing next to Ryan Newman's PR girl, Tracy Hultzapple. And a little bit I know about Tracy. She she looks very business, very serious. Doesn't show any emotion. And we're watching the big screen behind us at Phoenix Raceway. And Newman goes indoors Larson and gets past him. And I'm seeing her jump up and down. I've never seen so much emotion out of her <laughs> my entire life. And, and you could tell she was happy. They knew Ryan Newman was in for that championship race at home. So what a cool moment. Oh, yeah. I think about when Jeremy Mayfield won to got in, get in the All-Star Race in 2004, the very first uh, chase that we had and such. I mean, that was phenomenal. And and that became a thing, trying to pull off of Mayfield to get into the playoff. And that was before even the win you're in thing that we have now, uh, a different time back then. David, uh, before we move on, just the importance of making the playoff. I mean, not only are we talking about for competing for a championship, but now this era of drivers is going to be measured off their playoff appearances. Uh, when you look at, you know, 
their case for the Hall of Fame someday or their resumes. We're going to look at the number of playoff appearances they had, which is different than the previous generation. Um, you know, when it comes to sponsors and paydays and such, if you're left on the outside, I mean, that hurts big time. It's so important to make the playoff beyond just competing for a championship, isn't it, David? No, no doubt about it. You know, it's um, – yeah, it's just – you know, it, it's just everything. And you know, everybody wants to be in the top 16. And, you know, those last uh, – and I asked the question, is it 10 races in our playoffs? Yes, 10 races. You yep. know, the last 10 races, man, all the focus, the television, everything's about those 16 teams. And, uh, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, it's such a big letdown – well, you're not part of the playoffs, you know, and uh, the momentum you have for your sponsors, uh, for the team, the morale, everything, man. And, and I, I, I just, you know, I just think it's so important. And, 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 and Tyler, what you're saying, you know, it's, yeah, careers and, and the Hall of Fames, future Hall of Famers that are racing in the Cup Series right now. You know, you know, if you don't make those playoffs, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe you're a former you know, you're going to be a future Hall of Famer. You know, it's just, um, uh, you know, it's all about making the playoffs and being there. You know, you know, Joey Logano, Brad Kislowski, Harvick, you know, some of these guys that are future Hall of Famers, you know, year, year in and year out, man, you can count on them being in the playoffs. You know, their teams are solid. Uh, their manufacturers are solid. Their sponsors are solid. And, and obviously the drivers are superstars, you know, and, and, uh, but, man, it's all about being in the playoffs, giving your organization and your team and your sponsors an opportunity to win a championship, you know. And I mean, I, case in point, case in point, Eric Al, uh, Almarola. I mean, let's say that he wins his first win of the year would have been Darlington, that first race of the playoffs, instead of what he won just a couple weeks ago at New Hampshire. I mean, you still miss the playoffs, and he's potentially out of a job. Uh, now he wins that race a few weeks earlier. Timing's everything. Eric, more than likely, is going to be back next year. He's going to have a sponsor and everything. I mean, uh, that's how important it is, Dominic, of making these playoffs and such is uh, for, you know, to save your ride, to save your seat. I mean, the pressure is as high as it's ever been. You're absolutely right, and you make a great point there. You're right. Had that win come race 27, okay, yeah, you, you're a Cup Series winner, but did you make the postseason? And just talking with different people and professionals from around the industry, they can use this as leverage to go to sponsors, to go to potential companies, the marketing department of these teams. Because, look, we're a playoff contending team. We're a race winning team. We're a playoff racing team. There's so much leverage that comes with that and so much credibility and so much prestige that comes with just making the postseason. So you're right, Tyler. And I think as you continue to advance on, Again, I'm just thinking back to that marketing department with a lot of these teams. They're able to say, look how far our drivers, our drivers are able to go season and in, season out, and look at time and time again and what our guys are able to do because we're a playoff team. We're a race-winning team. There's so much that goes behind, even behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Watkins Glen. David, we know that there's more road courses on the schedule than there's ever been before, but there's still something special about the Glen and racing up there every year and we haven't been there in a couple of years didn't get to go last year due to the pandemic and now making this return going to the og road course track <laughs> tell me what you think about watkins Glen and what it brings to the table and the, the challenge ahead for these drivers this weekend david man any road course is always challenging even the guys that are really really good at it you know it's just uh you know there's so many variables that that come into play uh, strategy, race strategy from when you fuel and when you pit and, you know, brakes, you know, breaking transmissions, uh, over revving an engine. Uh, you know, Watkins Glen has always been one of my favorites. It's just the part of the country, upstate New York. It's beautiful. And the race fans, oh, my God, man, that it's going to be so packed this weekend. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a cool racetrack if you're going to win one a road course you want to win you know Watkins Glen it's just a it's a big one and um but man it's uh, going to be exciting you know what I mean and uh and I'm, I'm I'm just you know over the years just seeing how they pack that place and all the RVs and fifth wheels and tents and all the people love NASCAR up in the 
northeastern corner of the United States. And, uh, man, it's a, it's a great place. I've always enjoyed going up there and definitely racing at the at Watkins Glen has always been uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, Dominic, uh, have you been up to Watkins Glen? One of the few tracks I've never been up to. I would like to make it a point to go up there at some point. We're going to have a photographer up there for us this weekend, and Kyle Stevens always shoots that race for us, shoots the Charlotte races. We're going to get some good photos to use, certainly editorial-wise. How about you, Tyler? Is that a track you've been to or something that's on the short list to get to? I would love to get to Watkins Glen because, David, it always seems like that Watkins Glen puts on a show, always down to the last lap. You never know what to expect. Um, you know, some of these road courses can be boring at times, but I, I can't think of a track that's been more exciting for road racing than Watkins Glen. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, man. It's just, um, you guys, it's a, you got to go at least once, just the countryside and the Finger Lakes up there. And just uh, the beauty of where the racetrack sits, you know, is just amazing. And, uh, and the racing itself is just, you know, as a road course, you talk some, some, some of them can get boring, uh, not as a competitor, but as a fan to watch it. But Watkins Glen seems to produce some pretty exciting action on the racetrack, you know, and just uh, the way the elevation changes and the, and the, the bus stops and just all the different things about Watkins Glen. It just, it just makes it one of the more exciting road races that we race on every year. Well, and then getting back to Watkins Glen, David, after not being there last year, uh, we've had a couple tracks this year that we didn't get to last year that we're making this return trip for. What's it going to be like uh, for the drivers and these teams to get back to Watkins Glen and see those fans that haven't seen them in a couple of years? I imagine this has got to be a unique experience for everybody involved to, to make this return. Man, the enthusiasm of our sport, since our sport is kind of opened back up for the open back up to the fans and our sponsors in the garage and everybody. I mean, the, the, it's just a different vibe you get when you're back at the racetrack to see all the race fans. It's just, a, it feels good. You want, you're, you're happy or excited. You want to run good. The people, the fans are cheering your own. It's just, uh, it's electrifying, man. It's, it's cool. And, uh, and I think, a lot of the teams and us drivers, we kind of feed off that, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I mean, judging from racing last year when there were, you know, when there was no fans to having a, an exciting full house of race fans, man, it's just, there's nothing like it. And it's everything about our sport, you know? So uh, I think it's, and I think that, you know, the race fans are going to get, they're going to see something special this weekend with all the racing that's going to be happening there, you know, so it's going to be good. Well, and Dominic, uh, the race fans there at Watkins Glen, I mean, this is uh, this is close to the Canada border there. And, uh, you know, the Northeast doesn't get a whole lot of races now. I mean, this is a big deal for them to have this return, I would think. I think so, too. Two years overdue, right, for NASCAR to come back. And you look back at some of these races, I'm sure some of you guys have seen scrolling through social media, some of the races that NASCAR has dubbed some of the best races of all time. And I think back to that 2011, 2012 era of Watkins Glen, Marcus Ambrose, Carl Busch, Brad Keselowski just going at it for the win. Those, those are the three guys coming down for the win all the time. A.J. Allmendinger in 2014, but especially that 2012 race where the lead just kept getting swapped back and forth, Keselowski and Ambrose. There's been some great racing that we've seen at Watkins Glen, and I feel like despite not going to that track last year, I feel like we're going to see some great racing and the finish and, and the overall racing product we're going to see on Sunday is, is going to be far worth it and will just be that much more because we didn't get to see any of it last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you might be uh, right about that. And some of the memories over the years, David, what comes to mind right away in my head is that uh, that fight oh, Juan Pablo had with uh, Kevin Harvick. That's what I think when I think Watkins Glen. Yeah, man, there's just <laughs> – You remember That's that? Amazing. I remember that now. Uh, yeah, uh, two, two very tough competitors there, you know, two champions and uh, – you know, I remember back, and I'm trying to remember what year it was, uh, 2003, four. If Jimmy Johnson came down the front straightaway in the in the Bush race, and man lost his brakes, and man it, he uh, he had one heck of a crash going into turn one with no brakes. You know, and then he, I remember him getting out of the car, and and it was so spectacular, and he didn't get hurt. I think he was excited that he didn't get hurt. Hell, he jumped up on the top of it, was just cheering like he wanted to race because he was just excited that he didn't get hurt, you know, but 
man, there's been so many good battles over the years there. And uh, a lot of our superstar, former, uh, you know, a lot of our Hall of Famers. That, I mean, it's just a great racetrack that puts on a great race, you know. And I and I think we'll see that this weekend in the Xfinity race and the, in the, in the uh, cup race. Dominic, what comes to mind to you when you think back at some of the memories over the years at the Glen? Think about when I was first starting to watch the sport as a kid and road course ringers, guys like Scott Pruitt, Boris Say, Ron Fellows, <laughs> all these guys coming to run two races a year, and they were always in good equipment. I remember Ron Fellows being so mad. I want to say he even kicked his car. He was driving the one car for DEI in 2004, running down Tony Stewart, ran out of laps to be able to pass him. Remember Scott Pruitt at Sonoma a few years back, finishing third behind Gordon and Jamie McMurray. I, I think back on those, but especially the, the road course ringers and some of these guys, even recent memory, Alex Kennedy, New Mexico homegrown, someone running at Watkins Glen, always a staple there in the mid-2010s. Tommy Dreese with the, the NASCAR movie paint schemes, or not NASCAR movie paint schemes, but the Hollywood blockbuster schemes running for Nemco. All these different guys that would come run in some of these races. And it was just really cool to see different faces, a lot of people with one-off deals, seeing what they could get out of their equipment. And, David, you're not uh, running this weekend. Tell us about the plans for the uh, 66 car. What are you guys doing there at MBM? Well, man, we're, uh, you know, we, uh, we're only running two cars this weekend. And uh, with the way it all works out, the way the points are and everything, uh, uh, you know, uh, my good friend Carl Long, my boss, team owner, uh, we worked out, you know, when we put our deal together that he, uh, he had some other drivers. And the way the points fall just works out better. Uh, with the sponsor situation from a funding standpoint for me to step out of the car and, uh, and then, and for them to put somebody else in it. Um, it's, it's for their overall best for our organization. Hey, believe me, I, it, uh, it's man come Friday and Saturday. It's like, you got a knife stuck in you cause you're not there competing, you know? So, uh, but anyway, I'm not the world's best road racer and, if I got to mess a couple, two or three road races, I'm okay with it as long as we, uh, you know, we go back to it uh, on the ovals and, and and can make our program stronger. Uh, you know, then that's then that's you know that's kind of the positive side of it. But uh, but anyway, I'm disappointed that I won't be there at Watkins Glen. But I know it's best. It's for the best for organization to make it strong, keep it going, and to make our team stronger team in the future. So. Uh, it's okay. Uh, so anyway, I'll be cheering for my my teammates and uh, and uh, hopefully uh, MBM will have a, a great race Saturday afternoon. So David, when you're, when, when you're ahead, not on the when you're not on the track, but you're you're still with the team, that sort of thing. How hands on are you? Like on a weekend like this, how close will you be with making team decisions? How close will you be working with the other drivers? Well, you know, uh, and I talked to Carl uh, on the phone the other day. He said, "Hey, man, I." You know, it'd be nice if you came and, and you could work with our drivers and, you know, and uh, and I wouldn't mind doing that. But, you know, as, as many, I got so many great partners and then, uh, you know, I'm involved in our own NASCAR racing school and there's a lot going on with that. So, uh, you know, if I have an opportunity, if, 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 if it works out that I'm not racing that race and you know, sometimes my time's better spent back at home where I'm at because I have other, you know, other business type racing business, which is our racing school uh, to, to attend to. So uh, I won't be at Watkins Glen this weekend and, I, and I'm probably not going to run the Indianapolis road race the following weekend, but I'm definitely going to be there uh, helping our team, helping our drivers. Uh, but man, there's, I mean, man, if I'm at a racetrack, bitch, I can assure you that I'm not a great, uh, you know, I'm not a, you know, being there and not participating, that don't sit well with me, you know what I mean? So if I'm not racing, I'm usually not there uh, just as a competitor, you know. And like I said, in, in my NASCAR career, uh, there ain't been many weekends that I haven't been racing, you know. So uh, this year with not racing a lot of the road, road races, uh, it's been a little different for me, but I but I'm taking advantage of it because you know because of our NASCAR racing school and there's a and again there's a lot going on there and myself and uh, so uh, I'm taking advantage of uh, the time off. Uh, but but if I didn't have other 
NASCAR business away from the NASCAR racetracks that I'm racing at, then I, I would definitely be there. But but my time for me in, in the racing school business, I, I need to stay back, you know, so yeah. So David, what's been your experience at Watkins Glen over the years? Tell me about what comes to mind for what you've done in the race car there. Man, just, you know, again, I was talking about it earlier, just the variables, you know, just, you know, making sure you don't use up your brakes all at once. Uh, you know, being consistent, hitting your marks, uh, uh, you know, trying to, I've always tried to figure out, you know, my breaking points, my shifting points and looked at my lap times and maybe tried something a little bit different to see if it helped it or hurt it. Uh, but, you know, just, just racing smart, uh, not overdriving the race car in the corner. Sometimes you can abuse your equipment and uh, I feel like, I feel like, if you can kind of save the equipment, uh, if you don't have the best equipment underneath you and going forward at the end uh, was always something that worked well for me. You know what I mean? And uh, But, man, I, I have done – I mean, I've raced there a whole lot. I've broken axles. I, I wore my brakes out before the race was over and, and couldn't finish the race because I didn't have no brakes. I've broken transmissions. You know, and over the years and the experience, you learn to to race hard, but not abuse your stuff. You know what I mean? So, uh, so anyway, but man, it's it's hard not to abuse your stuff when you're trying to pass the guy in front of you, keep a guy behind you. You know, it's it's easy to overdrive a corner, wheel hop the race car, and abuse your equipment. You know, sometimes you know if somebody's putting a lot of pressure on you. You know, you can you can do something stupid and break your transmission. So it's, it's always, for me, was always to be consistent on your braking and your shifting and don't let somebody else or the pressure rattle you that you do something stupid, you know, but <laughs> it's easy to go off course there. And, uh, you know, I've, we've seen the leaders leading the race make a mistake, you know what I mean? And uh, so it's a, it's a very challenging racetrack. Yeah, it certainly seems to be that way, and that gives us a chance to transition over to our news and notes segment. And as always, Let's Go Racing is presented by Whataburger. Uh, don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot, and prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Dominic, uh, today is National Watermelon Day, and I could not think of a better holiday for a guy that got some good news. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great segue into Ross Chastain, getting the chance of knowing he's going full-time cup racing again in 2022. This time with Trackhouse Racing. Trackhouse Racing announced on Tuesday, August 3rd, that Ross Chastain will pilot the number one Chevrolet for the team in 2022, and it sounds like it's a multi-year deal. Recall that Trackhouse Racing announced June 30th that they had acquired the assets of Chip Ganassi Racing. That deal will take place at the end of the NASCAR 2021 Cup Series season. Well, at least we know where one of the silly season puzzle pieces has fallen. Dave, where do you think that's going to leave Kurt Busch? Well, I don't know. I think he's got a spot. You know what I mean? I, I, think, I think Kurt Busch is going to land somewhere great. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I th here's my opinion. This is my opinion. I think Trackhouse would have hired Kurt Busch, but I think he already has a deal in place. And man, choosing Ross Chastain as your driver was a good move on Trackhouse's part. You know what I mean? Because that kid is is a will man. He's aggressive, mm -hmm. and I think he's got a big future in, in the sport. And I think that was a good move on Trackhouse's uh, uh, part to to bring Ross on with them. But, but I really think, and I want to know y'all's opinion, I think, you know, it's hard to, to pass up a, a, a former champion like Kurt Busch, you know, and how strong he's been. I mean, hell, he, he's winning races, and uh, he's really good with his sponsors and the sponsors that he has with him. You know, I just think that Trackhouse knew, you know, I think behind the scenes that he has a deal in place already or I thought we'd have seen Kurt Busch go in that one car. That's my opinion. I got a, a few things on that. I think Kurt's going to 23XI. Uh, he's going to drive that second car for them and uh, and go that route. I think that's where he's headed. But as far as Ross Chastain goes, 
I don't think it's fair to judge Ross Chastain based on, you know, having 100 career starts. I mean, those were all, you know, prior to this year in bad equipment. I think of him like a rookie. That's what he really is, is a rookie in the Cup Series. And if you look at him like a rookie, his numbers are really impressive that he's had a really good rookie year. That's the way he should be viewed. And for Trackhouse, Daniel Suarez is still a young guy. Uh, now you add in Ross Chastain, you're going for youth. I think that's what this is about for Trackhouse and Justin Marks is they know that they're building this for the long term. Kurt, he's on at the end of his career at most. He'll race another year or two, I think, is kind of the consensus. I think that they're planning for the future. I think that's what this is about, Dominic, is getting basically a rookie in Ross Chastain and trying to build something from there. I think there's some truth behind all that. I remember talking to Ross after the Sonoma race in 2019. He ran premium motorsports. So he ran a majority of the races. And I asked him straight up, okay, you were in Iowa, I believe, for the truck race the night before. Why are you doing this? What's the point? And he's like, man, this is all going to pay off someday. And we're seeing the fruits of that labor pay off with getting a multi-year deal like this with track house racing. And Dave, I think there's some elements of truth there too. I would have thought Kurt Busch would be the obvious choice for Strackhouse Racing. The sponsorship with Monster works on those two-year deals with Kurt. Kurt's definitely got to ride some more. They're just not announcing it yet. There could be other things in store for the 2004 champion, but you both are right. Great moves for Justin Marks and Pitbull Trackhouse Racing. They're certainly looking towards the future in this 2020 decade of the NASCAR, NASCAR Top Series. Well, and guys, I know that we don't know the dollars and cents of what these guys are getting, but I would guess, David, that Kurt, when you look at this 23XI program, which he's been linked to, he's probably going to get a nice paycheck knowing this is a team that already has a lot of pressure on them to perform. The opportunity to get a proven cup champion that's winning races, you know, he's been consistently getting wins every year. I would think that it's probably a money thing. I bet that he's going to go to 23XI and get a pretty decent payday to finish his career. Man, no doubt about it. You know, driving for Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, you know, I, I hear the same thing you guys hear, you know, we're talking in the garage that they got, there's plenty of backing there. You look at all the sponsors that are on Bubba Wallace's car. I mean, they got some, they got some great partners. And they don't have just great partners for 2021. They have some great partners for the future, you know. And uh, and I and I and I I believe Tyler that you're right, uh, you know. And you know, having a Kurt Busch come drive a former champion and a guy that's win, still winning races, and that can he can take that uh, Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan racing team, and really advance it with his experience and how he works with the team, his knowledge and his knowledge with working with sponsors. And, you know, Kurt has it all. And uh, I think that's really going to elevate the, the, the Michael Jordan team. And, uh, and I think it is driven by money. I think they offered him what he's worth. And uh, when they did that, you know, it, that was a no-brainer for Kurt. You know, like you said, he's probably got one or two, maybe possibly three more years left. And, and uh, you know, and, and uh, I guess he was going to go for the highest bidder. But that highest bidder, you know, they have a manufacturer that wants to win. And uh, you, got, you got a pretty powerhouse team right there, you know, affiliated with Gibbs uh, Equipment, Toyota. I mean, it don't get much better than that. But, you know, I want to say Ross Chastain, he deserves the opportunity. And I'm not really surprised by it because as a rookie, as Tyler calls him, uh, because he did drive a lots of racing teams that, that didn't have the equipment, didn't have the funding behind it, and he impressed a lot of people. You know, we know that not every team out there has multiple, you know, has – you know, big backing, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of teams, they struggle and, and they do the best they can under the circumstances and the equipment is so, is, uh, not there, but Ross gets in these drives, these race cars over the years. And it's been impressive to see what he's done with these underfunded team and the equipment that he had, that is he driving that he's, he's, he's really done a lot with it and he deserves, the opportunity, and I'm, I'm so happy for him. So I think it's a great water, watermelon day, and I think it's a great day for Ross Chastain. You know, it's pretty awesome. I hope, I hope Ross is friends with Alex Bowman because that's the guy he can look at to model his career and be. 
is uh, a similar path in the sense of those two have seen what Alex has become now. There's no reason why Ross can't do what Alex Bowman's doing, I think, in my opinion, as far as that goes. Oh, um, absolutely. What, what, one more thing on this, uh, Dominic. Uh, as far as these two teams go, I know that Trackhouse and 23XI started the same year. But to me, Dominic, it feels like these two teams are completely different spots. Uh, you have Trackhouse, which is building for the future, the long term. It feels like at 23XI, there's more pressure to win now. Do you feel the same way about these two organizations? I agree with that. I think that's a good assessment of that because both teams, first year organizations, there's a lot more pressure with 2311 because Michael Jordan is a co-owner of the team and they have all these Fortune 500 companies backing the organization. Danny Hamlin is a co-owner. I feel like the pressure is already there just because of who you have associated with, who's involved at that organization. Trackhouse racing, maybe a little less pressure involved. I think the addition of Pitbull certainly brings a little more hype around that. But you're right, Tyler. I think the 23 team has had so much pressure. Let's be honest. When we open up the news Monday morning, people are wanting to know, like, where did Bubba Wallace finish, for better or for worse? Because he is one of the guys being talked about. That team is being talked about. There's just so much pressure. And I had people asking me, like, well, why are they making a big deal out of Bubba Wallace finishing fifth at Pocono when he did a few weeks ago? So because people care. People want to know how this team is doing. There's so much pressure on it. And I feel like this is a good short-term move. When you put it in the terms of how you're putting it, Tyler, and how Kurt Busch, a proven winner, a proven champion of NASCAR's Elite Series, is potentially going to come to this organization in 2022, this is a good short-term move for that organization. They need a big jolt in the arm right now. Bubba Wallace has had some strong runs. But one top five in 22 races, when you look at the pen and the paper, that's not what they're looking at. Trackhouse racing is more top 10 finishes on paper with less pressure. We can all agree. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Dominic, uh, what else we got on the news and notes front? Well, NASCAR fans, if you're returning to a race weekend starting this weekend at Watkins Glen Raceway, or Watkins Glen International, rather, you're going to have to make sure to bring one of your face masks. NASCAR announced on Tuesday, August 3rd, that if you are coming to the racetrack, you will be having to use a mask in an indoor facility, whether that be a restroom, Suites, media covering the races, the media center, any enclosed area, haulers. Now, that requirement is not outside. You don't have to have a mask when you're in the grandstands. If you're outside, if you're eating or drinking, that's not the thing. But NASCAR is re, what's it called? Reapplying the reinstating. Reinstate. I think I couldn't even think of the word there. NASCAR is reinstating the face mask policy. There's no word on when that could be lifted, but with the, the growing concerns of the COVID-19 pandemic, NASCAR's made this move, and that will be the first race that we see him back at Watkins Glen. David, I'll say this. I don't like wearing a mask as much as the next guy. But the fact that you don't have to wear this outdoors and don't have to wear it in the grandstands, that's good news. I don't think this should affect attendance. Yes, it kind of hurts morale, but that's the silver lining in all this. It doesn't affect the fans, really. And, hey, man, you know, we, we talk about it a lot on our podcast. It's all about the fans. You know what I mean? Just as long as the fans can come to race outside in these beautiful facilities around the country uh, and not have to be – have to wear a mask, I think that's, that's a positive thing. Um, you know, I think NASCAR, they're, they're doing everything they can to, to you know, to keep – uh, you know, the obviously the COVID-19, keep it under wraps. It's, you know, we're seeing, I'm seeing the same things y'all are seeing on the news. And, uh, uh, you know, so, you know, they're just trying to protect the sport. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not going to share all my opinions about it, but I think you kind of, you kind of, uh, you know, you kind of said it like it needs to be said. The fans are in good <laughs> shape. They don't, they don't have to wear face masks in the stands, and uh, it's all about the race fans. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. So, yeah. Dominic, do you need to add anything? <laughs> uh, I think you both pretty much covered it. Well, that's it. I guess we can just mention, too, that Kurt Busch and Jeff Gordon both celebrate birthdays August 4th. Four-time champion Jeff Gordon and 2004 champion Kurt Busch celebrating birthdays this week. Okay, so they're going to get the uh, the senior discount Denny's. Congrats to those. <laughs> I think Jeff is. I don't, Kurt's not quite there, but Jeff, I think, turns 48. Okay, very nice. Uh, 
Let's go racing presented by Whataburger. Stop by Whataburger for a hot party breakfast any morning or late at night. They're serving up breakfast from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. Proud to serve hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Whataburger. All right, guys. Uh, let's get to our Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on uh, on Facebook, David Star Podcast, Twitter, at Star Podcast, and then by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com is where you can hit us up there. And, uh, David, I got an email here from Tracy that is going to be a little bit different than what we've done before. I hope you're ready for this. I need you to listen real clearly here. Ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. The uh, subject line of the email. Donna, should I even read the subject line or should I just get to it? I feel like you should give him a heads up on the subject line. Sure. Okay. The subject line is this, David. My friend asked me if it's okay to date my high school sweetheart, and for some reason, it doesn't feel right to me. Here's how it goes. Hey, guys, this is Tracy, and I'm a longtime fan and needed to get some perspective on something if you have a minute. So my friend, whom I've been friends with since seventh grade, went to our 20-year high school reunion last week, and I couldn't attend because I was on vacation with my husband and two sons. Anyway, at the reunion, he told me she really hit it off with Clint, who was my boyfriend, junior and senior year. They're both divorced, and he contacted her yesterday to ask if she'd like to get dinner. When she told me and asked if it would be weird if she dated Clint and if I were okay with it, I said it was fine, but deep down, I wasn't happy about it, and I don't know why. Clint broke my heart when he broke up with me after prom, and for some reason, it still stings a little. I'm sure he's a different person now, but I, I never really liked him. The thought of them really hitting it off and me having to see him really upsets me. Should I feel this way now that I'm not married with kids? Should I tell my friend how I feel or just let it go, sign Tracy? David, what do you say? <laughs> hey, man, we... <laughs> wow. We're racing people, man. We're not... <laughs> man, hey, you know, they... The... Hey, there's somebody out there for everyone, you know. She she got a beautiful – I'm sure she's got a great husband and beautiful kids. There's a lot of blessings in that. And, uh, you know, to, you know, everybody wants to be happy and, and be blessed like she is. So I don't see anything wrong with it, you know what I mean? So uh, she went on and found a great husband and has a beautiful family and happy. And, you know, why can't, why, why, why can't her friends and her former boyfriend – they deserve that too. So, hey, whatever. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I don't David, know. I agree with you. If you're truly happy with who you got, it shouldn't matter who anyone else is Absolutely. with. Absolutely. I, I want everybody to be happy. You know what I mean? I'm happy in my life and we're all blessed. We got all our blessings and, and uh, you know, we all have good lives. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, all my friends and race fans, and I, I just, I, I just, I hope the best for everybody. I want everybody to be happy. And, you know, if we can, if we our, our racing show, our podcast, if we can bring a little light behind the scenes and talk about what we love and other people love, we can put a little spark of happiness in somebody. I mean, I love it, man. I love what we do. I'm happy. You guys are happy. And, and uh, you know, I want everybody to be happy in the world. I think if everybody was happy and, and uh, had good attitudes and, and life was good, it'd be a better world. You know, we know it's not like that, but, um, you know, I just, um, I want everybody to be happy, you know, and if people, you know, if my best buddy wants to marry my ex-girlfriend, hey, more power to him. I want him to be happy and, you know, whatever, you know, so, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I don't know, just be happy. <laughs> David or uh, Dominic, would you be okay with your buddies dating your exes? That's a good question. I guess it remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> not the same answer david gave hmm. i like david's perspective on it and, and for full disclosure too when i was listening I found to you, my happiness man i'm good <laughs> <laughs> when and when you were telling the story tyler i was kind of having a hard time like picking up on some of the details so i was kind of relying on david to kind of fill the gaps and he did i mean no i, I in all seriousness yeah if those two are gonna be happy go for it but you're right i mean even if we can't aim for happiness, right? Being content. I, hey, think I know how they can find point. happiness if they don't have it. Just make what? sure you make sure you take it to a NASCAR race, okay? <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Hey, love it first race. There we go. Absolutely, man. Um, the uh, next email that we have for you, Dave, uh, this one comes from Frank. 
Frank wants to know, David, what was your first car? Man, that's a cool question. Um, you know, my Uncle Mike, who, and people that know me, my Uncle Mike has been like a brother to me. And ever since he taught me how to drive when I was, you know, seven years old, I sit on his lap and drive. He would work the gas and the brake pedal. Man, I'd, I'd drive across town, you know, and he never touched the steering wheel. Uh, when I was uh, 14, 15 years old, uh, my first car was a really a cool, I think it was a 1977 or 78 442 Oldsmobile, Hearst O's, and it was awesome, man. And and it, and it belonged to Mike, and he, he he let me, he gave it to me, and that was kind of my first car, man. And it was it was unbelievable, man. So that that was kind of a cool a cool, but uh, but a first car that I actually went out and bought on my own was a, a Chevrolet pickup truck, you know, and. Um, and I still have it. My parents have it in their garage there in Houston, Texas. And uh, we, I still have it. And, and uh, we, it's got a new paint job. It looks great. But, uh, but you know, I still have my first vehicle that I paid for was, was a Chevrolet Silverado pickup truck, <laughs> a single cab. Dominic, what was your first car? First car, my parents got me a 1992 Pontiac Grand Prix to go to high school in. That was a pretty cool car. And then I don't remember exactly the details of what worked out, but I ended up driving a 2002 Honda Civic to school. That was my first vehicle. You, Tyler? My first car, my parents gave me, it was a 2001 Ford Expedition. It was an SUV, and that thing took up so much gas. I was filling up every – and gas was high when I was in high school. David, get this. Uh, every week and a half, I'd fill that thing up for 75 bucks a tank. Oh, my God, that was expensive, man. Hell, I'd have to borrow money from my parents to fill up a gas tank, man. Wow. That was expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where all my money went from high school was just trying to get gas just to get around. Uh, and Tyler, you, you probably weren't even cruising to school or cruising on Saturday. You are just going to school. You're probably not even having extracurricular. Hey, you know what? Back then when I was in high school, it didn't matter. I think just having something to drive – and not having to walk and be able to drive over to a friend's house or the track meet or, you know, to the racetrack or wherever. I was just, I just thought it was cool that we could start driving and drive anything. You know I mean? I, re I remember we had a car at my dad's automotive transmission shop and it was a Ford, uh, God, I don't even remember what it was, but it was a God awful, ugly car that a customer never came back and paid for. And my dad got the title to it, and it was just kind of a shop car that we, we'd loan to our customers or whoever, but it was so ugly, nobody wanted to drive it. And, man, I used to love driving that thing because it was just so ugly and, and hideous looking. But, man, I, I just thought, man, it was cool because I was driving, you know, and I had to walk, you know. And, and uh, you sit back and think about it, you know, no matter what that first car was or, or some of your first cars, you know, I, I can assure you it was a hell of a lot better than walking. You know what I mean? So uh, that first car, whatever it may have been for whoever it may have been for, was worth a million dollars because we didn't have to walk anywhere and we could drive. So it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, true story, guys. Uh, what I would do with my car, uh, we had open campus lunch in my high school, and there was a Whataburger about two or three blocks down the road. So I was driving my expedition about once a week to Whataburger for lunch. That's where all your gas money was going, Tyler. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome, Tyler. And still today, we're still driving to Whataburger eating. I had, I had, man, I had Whataburger for lunch today, and uh, and uh, you know, so we're still doing the same things we did when we were we were younger in high school and even before mm -hmm. high school, dude. Oh so yeah, awesome. and uh, and one time when I was in high school, uh, Garth Brooks showed up at that Whataburger just to. Just to have some dinner, yeah. But hey, I don't care who you are or where you live at in the United States. And if, you know, we're all famous in our own ways, you know what I mean? I don't care if it's a, a celebrity, a Hollywood movie star, or a baseball player, football player, country singer. Everybody likes Waterburger. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody loves Waterburger. So I, I think it's awesome, dude. And I can't believe. Uh, so Garth Brooks went to the same Waterburger that you used to go to, right, Tyler? 
Yeah, yeah. He showed up there uh, after his kids tracked me. He was hungry. He uh, wanted some water burger. Well, that's so, pretty man. cool, man. You know? I got to tell you guys, it was awesome last week. I was visiting my brother, Martin, who you guys have met on the podcast, Coach Martin Aragon. He's coaching in Albuquerque now. And I was visiting him at his place. My girlfriend and I went over and we went swimming. And guys, I had a, this is that I had a big dinner, right? You all know me. I can eat a lot of food. We go swimming for a couple hours. I got out of the pool. So hungry. My stomach is rumbling. So I opened my phone and I ordered two double burgers from Whataburger. I went and picked it up at the location, which was about a mile from the house. That was a great meal right before going to bed. I love it, man. Now, I'll give you some Whataburger for bed myself. That about do it for uh, today's edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. As always, you can subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review. Hit that subscribe button, uh, the like button, all that stuff. Or don't leave us uh, a review at all. We certainly would appreciate that. Uh, on uh, social media, at on Twitter, at uh, Star Podcast, Facebook, David Star Podcast, email David Star Podcast at gmail.com. David, before we go, real quick, uh, tell us about the next few days ahead. Oh, man, I uh, I got a court date tomorrow. Uh, oh, <laughs> it was a good run. Nice knowing you, <laughs> Hey, man, sometimes that happens, you know what I mean? And uh, so you got a court date tomorrow, and uh, and then I got a, a small meeting early tomorrow morning, and uh, I, I got some racing school business the rest of the week to do and uh, do a little yard work, finish up some projects around my house. Uh, I will be uh, going to a dirt track Saturday night, take my boys, and uh, so just, uh, you know, just busy here at home uh, with stuff, with racing stuff, the racing school stuff, and uh, we'll be uh, – you know, have my eyes on and talking throughout the weekend with my team to see what's going on in Watkins Glen. So uh, excited about the Xfinity race Saturday afternoon and obviously the cup race. Uh, but even though I won't be in Watkins Glen this weekend, I, I got a pretty busy weekend myself. Dominic, tell me about what you got going. We'll be here in Grants, be spending some time with the family. We'll get to see my brother in, in the coming days as well. And yeah, I just enjoy the a little downtime here in Grants, New Mexico. Oh, and I got to show you guys real quick, too. I have a, a brand new wallet. I'm really proud of it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what's keeping me awesome. busy over the next few days. Got a new wallet a few days ago. Y'all know where I can get one of those? <laughs> yeah, I might be. I know a guy. I might be able to hook you up. Oh, awesome, man. We I might have to give too. away some David Starr Racing. Let's go racing with David Starr wallets here on the show pretty soon. Awesome, man. Awesome. With uh, all the money included. Yes. Oh, what about yeah. yourself, Tyler? What's going on the next couple of days, buddy? Oh, man, just uh, keeping it 100 around here. Uh, just enjoyed life, you know, to the fullest and such. And I mentioned Garth. I'm actually going to go see Garth in concert next week. So. Dude, that's, well, I'm excited for you. Don't get much better than Garth Brooks, man. He uh, he loves to perform, and, and you're like, man, I know he's going to stop now. The guy just keeps singing, you know. So when you leave his concert, you got your money's worth, you know. He's a performer, oh, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll put the checkered flag out on this episode. We'll see you guys back here next week as uh, we'll recap Watkins Glen and have a great guest ahead. We'll uh, let you know who that is coming up in the coming days. For Dominic Aragon, David Starr, and Tyler Jones, sing so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.